guillotine in Piccadilly? No! Wanna call that raggedy ass Napoleon your king? No! Your children to sing the Marseillaise? No! Mr. Pulling, stop a battery! That seamanship, Mr. Pulling. My God, that seamanship. It's a rare phasmid, son. Phasmid? Must be governed. All right, lads. Now I know there's not a faint heart among you. And I know you're as anxious as I am to get into close action. But we must bring him right up beside us before we spring this trap. That will test our nerve. And discipline will count just as much as courage. The Acheron is a tough nut to crack. More than twice our guns, more than twice our numbers. And they will sell their lives dearly. They mean to take us as a prize. <laughs> and we are worth more to them undamaged. Their greed will be their downfall. England is under threat of invasion. And though we be on the far side of the world, this ship is our home. This ship is England. Garçon, coffee! <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the Coffee and Death Sticks podcast. Uh, as you can hear, I am hosting, which means this episode's going to be a friggin' mess because we have a very special guest on uh, today, uh, my brother, uh, Ryan Marchant, uh, who I've known for my whole life, basically, um, because he's my bro. And he's here to discuss. A Marchant Brothers classic, uh, Master and Commander, uh, The Far Side of the World. So, uh, Ryan, welcome. Thanks, Daniel. It's a pleasure to be here. Long-time pisser, first-time shitter, so it's great to be here. I'm wearing a, pir- a, a, a ship captain's hat uh, for the listeners at home, uh, just, uh, just to class up the joint, you know? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I'm wearing a, a bicorn hat. Yes, um, of course. And an artillery officer's uh, overcoat. Um, yeah, this is a movie that Kevin and I have talked about, but he hasn't seen it. Uh, I, if I'm remembering correctly, he's, he's he saw it once, enjoyed it, um, but it has not become a part of his life in the way that this movie has for so many uh, so many fellas, uh, ourselves included. Uh, you, me, our brothers uh, Tommy and Evan. This is a this is a staple of all of our households. Uh, all of us have watched this movie multiple times. So many, many times. So I thought you'd be a perfect, uh, a perfect uh, guest host uh, for this episode on uh, on Peter Weir's not his last movie because he made he's made one since then, but not really though. He made he's one. Made, he's yeah. made the way back, which right. came out in 2010, uh, that no one has ever seen. Um, I haven't seen it either. Neither. Yep, I haven't seen it. No one. No one has seen it. Ed Harris is in it. Colin Farrell, that guy Jim Sturgis, that Hollywood tried to make a thing for us all. They're really trying. He's on the list. Him and Ed Helms and a couple others. Chad Michael Murray. Chad Michael Murray was another one. (laughs) But uh, yeah, Master Commander, Peter Weir's last great film, and it is a great film. So yeah, what what are your memories of this of seeing this movie for the first time and and your experience? I honestly cannot remember seeing it for the first time because. 
it's it's like Lord of the Rings. It's like I can't imagine a time in which I hadn't had it in my life. Like, you know, it's just like, oh, I just love that movie. I think I might have seen it. I definitely didn't see it in theaters. I saw it, I'm sure, in our basement on a DVD. Um, probably in 2003 or maybe even 2004. So, like, the only movie I really remember from that year, of course, was Return of the King, which trounced Master Commander in the Oscars, but that's all right. Um, it is deserved. You know, it was deserved. But, uh, yeah, I think, I don't know, the first time, I, I just I fell in love with it as soon as I heard watched it the first time. And I just love the story, and I love the, the characters, and it's... Um, it's just a great movie. We'll get much more into it, but uh, you know, it's it's just cool as hell. Like, especially like the way that we grew up and the movies we watched growing up. It like came at a perfect time. I was eleven or twelve when I must have seen it. You were thirteen when it came out, so it was just like target demographic when that movie came out. Yeah, our right. house was a house of swords and pistols and right. a very specific kind of make believe. Yeah, pirates and soldiers and yeah. And yeah. I think dad, our, our father, um, uh, had planned to take me and you, I think, because we were the mm -hmm. older boys, to see this in theaters. But he read a review of it that day, probably by noted hack Ty Burr, Boston Globe hack Ty Burr. And it must have talked about how violent the, uh, the battle sequence was. And he described it as Braveheart on a ship. And so right. dad decided to not take his young, younger sons to go see Braveheart on a ship. Um, and I think I got this for my birthday one year. Right. And I think that's when we probably watched it. Then right. the three of us watched it on DVD for my birthday. And I remember specifically feeling pissed that I didn't get to see this on the big screen. Right. <laughs> right. Like when, when I finally, when we finally watched it, I thought right. that would have been awesome to see on a, movie screen and i oh, still man. think that to this day right however it's one of those movies that it doesn't matter what format you watch it in you are transported to movie heaven when you watch it Completely. It's, big, it's big no matter what you can watch it on your phone you shouldn't but if you Never. did <laughs> right. you, would, you would still feel swept away in the uh romance and adventure of it oh it's i mean ships have never looked better on screen before or since this movie mm -hmm. yeah yeah, it's it's a so for anyone who doesn't know, Master and Commander is based on a frankly impenetrable book series. Right, a very good writer named Patrick O'Brien. Right, I think there's who, eight billion of the books. Is that right? There's precisely eight billion. Right, and this is kind of based on a couple of them. It's 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 a good it's a smart way to adapt a big book series like that. They take the best elements from a handful of books, shake them up and make a movie that's more accessible right. to mainstream audiences. And the first thing you do when you pick the book up as a filmmaker, all of the words fall out onto the table. And all you're left with is, you know, the cover and the, the front cover and back cover and the skeleton of the plot and the ghostly shape of the characters. And you have to replace that prose with images. And it's the most extraordinary experience to, to attempt to do that. And I think that's been the great challenge with O'Brien is to provide a, a kind of way of telling this story visually uh, that would equal his prose, or at least do it just. So I think it's actually a pretty perfect adaptation. I read the, tried to read a couple of the books after the, after the movie, couldn't get right. into them. It's only in the 
last few years that I've read, I've read them. They're, they're really good, but they're just, they're just like, they're tough because you have to, they're so rooted in like nautical traditions and right. inside baseball knowledge of England at that time. They're, they're not, they don't go down smooth, but he is a good writer and the characters of Jack Aubrey and Steven moment of truth. How do you say it? Is it Maturin? <laughs> or I, Maturin? I also was, uh, yeah, I thought it was, uh, I thought it was Maturin. I think it could it's be Maturin. Maturin. I guess it'd be Maturin, but we could, it could be Maturin. We'll just say um, Stephen because that's what he calls him. Yeah, the yeah the Irish doctor. Yeah, um, and their friendship basically, and right. that translates uh, perfectly uh, oh. to this to this movie. There is there is Stephen gets a little bit of the short shrift because in the books he's a spy, and right. which is a re they reference it briefly in this movie, and he, he's Irish, which makes his whole. Uh, role as a physician on a on a ship of the royal navy interesting because he's you know is he betraying his countrymen like right. that's that's not in this movie but you do get the nice dynamic of a guy that doesn't want to be there but he's only there because his best friend is the captain right yeah i mean i i did read a little bit of master commander which i think is the first of the series yes and i just i didn't get very far it was good but it was a lot of like okay, I need to brush up on my rope knowledge in order to understand <laughs> this book. But um, yeah. yeah, yeah. but I, I just, I remember the description of how they meet because they're at some like random little seaside town, I think in Portugal. Mm -hmm. um, and Stephen is describing that he's at this, this uh, I don't know, you'd call it a chamber orchestra or whatever, but yes, know, a concert uh, of some kind back from that time. And he's just describing this big, guy that's near him that is just having too much fun with the music that's like he's like pounding his fist and he's like he's mm -hmm. like really enjoying it way too much and that turns out to be jack aubrey and yes. sort of, it, it's their friendship starts as a like he's annoyed that this guy's having so much fun at it's a beautiful. concert yeah and then they just they strike up a friendship from there yeah a a fat oafish englishman is ruining right. the beauty and peace of this chamber music because he's fat and oafish and English. Right. And, but, yeah, but he, because he loves it so much, not because he's a, you know, a pig, you know, it's, it's, it's like, it's, it's because he's so passionate about it. Yes. You know, he's just driven by it. And Cause I he's that a, cause, cause Jack is a, it's, it's the Star Trek dynamic. It works right. in every context. Jack is a man of emotions and right. passions and heart. and heart. And Steven is a man of reason and science and right logic he's he is embracing this new world that they're they're entering the age of enlightenment and age of and discovering all these, these are yeah these, these these modern liberal notions like steven's like sign me up but jack right. is just like he's just an old-fashioned dude and they're right. just uh, and that that is in this movie and that's what this movie's about it's about that the plot is they've been charged with finding a french privateer the acheron burn or take her a prize exactly Exactly, because oceans are now battle battlefields. Oh well, we're at it. is master of Europe. Of course, I have a sticker given to me by a good friend, Ryan Hill, another noted fan of these films. And of course, it's the you know the opening crawl. Uh, oh, fantastic! So April eighteen oh five, Napoleon is master of Europe. Only the British fleet stands before him. Oceans are now battlefields. <laughs> just a great, an incredible opening. Yeah, uh, it just grips you right away. Yes. And Jack, of course, pushes the ship to the limit. And Stephen has to, is sort of torn between his love for Jack and his, his sense of, of reason and, 
his his uh he's not as enamored with the service as jack is he's right. just kind of along for the ride um it's great it's it's the whole movie is is built around this friendship and that works really well uh jack gets called on his bullshit at one point which right. you know Several he does times. he's he is making pig-headed decisions but from his point of view there Stephen, this is a Royal Navy naval ship, and right. <laughs> I have to keep order somehow. Right. And there's that great, there's a great moment later in the film where their their opposing viewpoints have reached an impasse, and Jack just shouts out, "We can drop the clip here. Yeah. Uh, we don't have time for your damned hobbies, sir." Yes, that's on my list of quotes. I have a, just a series of quotes I, I took yeah. note of when I watched it last night. Uh, so yeah, you, yeah, you get all kinds of good stuff. You get. It's incredible period detail, the, the names right. of the cannons and the the way. How do you fix? How do you repair a piece of wood that has been punctured and is sitting in the ocean? Right. Like, how do you do that? Right. And how do you perform surgery uh, on board a ship that's under fire? And the subtle nod to the fact that Stephen is different, like the 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 surprise, which is the ship that. Jack commands. One of the biggest benefits is that he has Stephen on board. Right. He, he's a proper physician, not a right. not a, not a butcher like the rest yeah. of them. Like he he really and he knows, knows his birds and beasts. He knows his birds and beasts exactly. That's right. <laughs> we could just quote the whole movie just back. Yeah, and this forth. is going to be like our JFK episode where, we, right. where Kevin and I just quoted the movie. Just going to quote the movie back and forth. What's the line that he that uh, Barrett Bonden says? If you show him, a, if you show uh, him, if you, a if you show him a beetle, he'll yeah. tell you what he's thinking. <laughs> Yes, Barrett Bondin. Again, I also have a list of the names, uh, and I have the IMDb just in case to cross-reference. But there's a lot that you that I'm. Each time I watch it, I pick up one more crewmate's name. I remember his name before because sometimes I have to be. I'm like, okay, I remember that guy, but I don't always remember the name. Um, but yeah, great names. It's all Mister. Everyone calls each other Mister, yes. even in the midst of battle. Just Mister Pullings, you know, sure. Mister Lamb, Mister Hollum, all of it. Yeah, that that when during the last battle when they're taking the. Uh, when they're taking the Acheron, uh, Pullings, James Darcy, who's fantastic in this movie, yes. has a cool scar that is never uh, explained. It's just, he has a scar, right. he got that, fighting the French. Just backstory immediately. Right. Um, he Jack's missing for... a chunk of his ear. Jack is missing yes, a chunk he's... of his ear as well. Yeah. Mr. Pullings shouts for is it Mr. Calamy or is it Captain Howard of the Marines? He, he asks for the nine pounder, if you please. Yeah, it's Mr. Calamy, and it is. He does this, if you please, in the midst of a battle. Yeah, Mr. Calamy, the nine pounder, if you please, as if he cocks his pistol. Right. Um, this episode's already off the rails. That's fine. Um, That's great. Yes, it's just like if you were into that shit right. and you haven't seen this movie, you are missing out on one of your favorite movies. 100%. This is a history nerds paradise because right. it simplifies. It uh, is definitely meant for a general audience, but it's filled with all these details that you notice them the first time and you appreciate them because you're like, hey, that's a cool detail. People actually right. cared while they were making this film. Right. And then when you become a nerd, like you or I, you appreciate it even more because you're like, "Ooh, that's that's a period detail." That's right. They really did need to do that. You know, you know that was a thing. They would put coins in, in head wounds to make sure that the right. the the brain would stabilize. Right. Like, 
it's it's great to um, cover the hole. To cover the hole. Uh, yeah, and you and it's one of those movies where you don't necessarily know every character's name after the first viewing, but you no. pick up a new guy that Davies' first name is Awkward. He's Awkward Davies. Uh, that's um, that one I picked up this time, and I was like, oh, that's interesting. Even though he doesn't ever, Davies. he doesn't display any awkwardness at all. No, he's completely assured, like almost every single man on the boat, except for one very particular man who was not assured. Yes, um, yeah, it's a, it's a. This movie does not. Pass the Bechtel test. Fails it with, is, uh, with the full colors of, of the Royal Navy flags. It yes. fails it completely. But the Bechtel test is not a test of a film's quality. It's no. just a test of something to consider when you're watching when you're watching movies. And this film fails it spectacularly. Right. A woman appears There's... on screen and does not speak. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 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 a Polynesian, probably? I think they're Brazilian. I think they're off the oh, coast Oh, they're Brazilian? Brazil. Yeah. Okay. Um, we'll cut that part out so I don't seem like a, uh, an idiotic American. <laughs> a Brazilian woman appears on screen for less than a minute. And then off screen, you hear, um, oh, what's his name? Shit. His name, I did look it up as well. He's got a great voice. He yes. is, he is Mr. Holler, Holler, not Hollum, Holler. Mr. Holler. Holler. He's yeah. like the sort of. He's the gunnery sergeant. He, he's yeah. the guy in charge of the of the noncoms. Like he's in charge of discipline on the ship. He's deck master or something like that. You know, they, all have, they all have great titles. Yeah, you can hear him when they're visiting the island off the the coast of Brazil. You can hear him shout, uh, "Put that woman down, Slade!" Like so, right. that, that's basically the the female representation you get. Well, and he's also uh, referring to the guy that he's selling that saying that to is that pirate guy, basically. He's the, the one that has a parrot. He's got earrings. He's he's in that scene when they're... Oh, yes. When, yeah, when they're trying to make deals, he's he's handing them hatchets and trading them for arrows. So That's right. So he, yes. he has a scheme, and then moments later, he has a woman, and he's being yelled at immediately, just that right away. That scene <laughs> in particular is, is a microcosm of the whole movie because yes. you have the sailors who are going crazy below deck. Right so excited to see women to see birds to get yep. some you know different food right you have the uh the officers kind of discussing amongst themselves you have steven translating um the portuguese uh, for jack to find out like where was the acheron yep. where was she last seen um there's a later moment where they're all looking at all the creatures on the galapagos the entire ship is just like they cannot believe the right fauna and life that they are seeing, and then the camera just pans, and Jack is just looking for the Acheron on the other. Right. Um, I don't know if it's port or starboard. I don't know my ships. He is just looking for the, the Acheron. Port, port's left side because it's the same on the letters. Okay, sounds good. I th I don't know if that's correct, but it sounds really good. Yeah, <laughs> let's yeah. go with that. We're enthusiasts, not experts. This you is know? true. Um, he's just looking for the Acheron. He could care less about right. the discovery of evolution right <laughs> like he does not care he just wants the prize right and that's kind of the dramatic part of this movie is is how far will jack go and how far will he push uh the crew to get this ship and should he be doing that like there's a right. moment in this movie where it looks like they've given up their quest jack has has Russell Crowe by the way this is Russell Crowe as jack and oh. Paul Bettany is Steven we should have said that earlier um, this is Russell Crowe's best film. I agree. It's his best performance. It is... And that is including Gladiator. It's absolutely including Gladiator. Yeah, it should probably be his second best. 
He's great in Gladiator. He's great in I'm, almost everything he's in. <laughs> a much deserved Oscar, but Jack Aubrey is his greatest I think so. role because it's what Russell Crowe wants to do. He right. just wants to play rugby with his friends. Like yeah, he's a leader of men. He is a, he's a leader, leader of, of men. men. He's he he can you know, he can fight, he can he can play music, he can uh he's well read, he writes letters to his wife who mm -hmm. I don't think really thinks about ever, but you know, let's nope. pretend. <laughs> Nope. Uh, I think I imagine in the book there's there is probably a real love story there, but certainly not in this film. Uh, no, he, he's like uh, he's like sharp. There's all different love interests at various right. points, and he messes it up by being a thick-headed, stubborn. He's no good on land. He's perfect on the right. sea. Right. Um, yeah. No, he's he's great. He the, the men love him, and that opening sequence when they're under attack and uh, they have to pull the ship into the fog. In order to escape from the Akron, you can, and they're, you know, pull now, pull for Lucky Jack. And you're like, right. oh, they, his men call him Lucky Jack. They must love him. Like, he, right. they must love him because it's good to be on his ship and right. as opposed to other people's ships. He's just so charismatic um, and he's just a yes. complete leader. Yeah, that's, I love the, oh, the opening, the opening uh, salvo of the film is just incredible. Just, yeah, it's an opening battle, a closing battle, and then everything in between is just vibes. Vibes you know, and character, there's, yeah. There's a storm scene. Right. Uh, there's several dinner scenes, delightful dinner scenes oh. with officers getting uh, drunk off their ass. While oh, the my God. I made a note of that. Is it just these guys, What I, they basically, they just love to just laugh and drink wine. Yes. They just, they're laughing about geography. You know, they're just in yes. cartography. Those are the things that they find hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. They're just, they make, they're they just make that ridiculous, uh, Killick makes that ridiculous uh, pudding cake. In oh my god! Of, in the shape of the Galapagos Islands, the, the food in this movie completely... looks disgusting. Yes, <laughs> which is appropriate well, because, it's, because they're on a ship in right. eighteen eighteen oh five, and they're English. Like that's the other thing about right. this movie is we are rooting for the villains in this film. This is true. <laughs> we're, rooting, we're rooting for the British Empire. Yeah, this is Tragic. these are not the good guys. No, um, but the but French, it's the French, French, Fuck French, the French. Suck. <laughs> French stink. French are rubbish. Everyone and, knows that. Uh, even the French know that. Even the French know that. And that is hilarious. At the end of, when, when we finally meet the French, which is a great decision, that they're unseen until the very end of oh, the movie. Genius. And they're just filthy, tanned, black-haired <laughs> demons <laughs> right. with ridiculous hats. Um, and their captain, spoilers, does a, does a sneaky because he's a cowardly French dog. Right. Uh, who cannot... Uh, Cannot fathom giving up his sword to a, to an English officer. It is it is funny and almost comical that the Frank, the Akron is basically just uh, there's just evil clones of everyone on the surprise. Yes, you know, like like the captain and I don't know if it's the doctor that was his best friend, but the captain also has his best friend aboard, and they also play music, but their choice is a piano and a French horn, which is just nonsense. That's another great detail. The cello and the violin is much better. As Jack is surveying. The, the the French captain's cabin. He takes a moment, and it almost gets him killed. He takes a moment to That's examine right. the music that they were playing. Right. A little moment of recognition of oh, this was this was a guy, my equal, this man I've been chasing all across, um, uh, you know, all around South America. And then the uh, disgusting French cook almost knifes him. Right. Um, and Jack is so disgusted with him, he lets him live because it's right. like you have to live as a French cook. Like That's I right. get, to, you know. To kill you would be would be would be mercy. Um, yeah, and it's uh, but then another their French their cook is willing to try and stab the captain of the enemy ship, just like 
Killick, played by David Threlfall, the original Frank Gallagher, for any right. Shameless fans out there. He was William H. Macy. Of course, Hot Fuzz. Hot, Hot Fuzz, as, yes. Uh, Martin Blower? Is that him? As Martin Blower. Right. Um, Red flag. <laughs> he's fantastic. <laughs> he plays the cook, Preserved Killick. Right. And uh, Killick. He, compl- oh, boy. he complains the whole movie. The he entire hates- film. Hates the music that Jack and Steven play. Scrape, scrape, scrape. Nothing you can ever oh, dance well. to. Um, just all under his breath at all times. Jack tells him to do something. He immediately complains. And you can tell, Last like Jack, I think Jack finds him charming. I think he finds his crankiness and his surliness yes. charming. He likes Killick. Yeah, obviously. Um, and. Uh, Last battle comes. He unfurls that those long, luscious looks of his, and just takes a hatchet and a machete and He's just ready to kill killing every french bastard he gets his eyes on i mean blakeney one arm and he's just blasting that pistol right into the well, french max perkis great role. I don't know what happened to him you know i think he he i think he re- recognized that he's okay i did this and then i followed it up with rome i'm not going to do any better so we'll just leave it at that seriously um and he's great he's like another heart of the film and he's it's it's smart that that he's like one of the major characters is the young is young Blakeney because it gives a great uh, it, you know he's the audience insert so we're able to to see Jack and through his eyes and to see the ship through his eyes and it's so exciting and romantic and adventurous and it, and it really is but it, you know it is they don't shy away from showing how bad it can be obviously he loses his arm and it's uh, it's brutal you know and he loses his friend Calamy later at the end of the film. It's uh, it's very sad, but it's uh, but yeah, he's just he's great in it, and it's a great character. And his relationship with Stephen is also just adorable and awesome. And Padeen, their oafish manservant, who's who doesn't say anything but just does whatever the doctor tells him to do, which is great. Yeah, no, he, he uh, Blakeney is great. He's he's a noble, obviously, because they call him Lord Blakeney. Um, yeah, he's uh, an officer. He's trained yeah. to be an officer. Yeah, yeah, he's a midshipman. He, he's 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 very clever. He obviously wants to be a captain. He looks up to Jack, but like you said. You know, he gets his arm cut off. <laughs> right. Um, his mother knew the life. His mother knew the life. <laughs> and yes, he, he or his liked, father knew the life. I think that's what it is. His father knew the life. Yeah, they they, um, they just go. The mother will be upset, but the father will understand. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, he likes Stephen a lot because he likes right. that Stephen's interested, you know, in natural history, and so he's he's sort of he is the audience because he he likes both of our heroes, right? And he's trying to balance his desire to cheer Steven up and let him uh, explore the island and, you know, look at a stick for six hours right? with his desire to become a captain someday and impress Jack and do his right. duty. And yeah, that is a great scene where the chain of command kind of comes into effect. And this little kid, this little one-armed kid is just commanding Paul Bettany right. and Padine about what to do because they, they, the, the third act kicker is that, um, again, spoilers if you haven't seen it, but you should see it. 20 years old. <laughs> Jack has finally decided to stop chasing the Acheron because Stephen got shot because the bird dropped low and Captain Howard didn't see him there. And he accidentally shoots uh, Stephen in the gut and they have to get on dry land, right. dry, stable land so that they can take the bullet out. And of course, Stephen being the greatest doctor ever does the surgery on himself ridiculous jack has to watch and he's you can tell that he's like shaking because his friend is doing this to himself 
He lets Stephen wander the island looking for a flightless bird that Stephen knows will be a huge discovery. Right. And Stephen doesn't find the bird. He finds the Acheron. Right. And he has to race back and tell and tell Jack that, okay, you found your ship, and now we have a chance to, uh, to, to what was it, uh, catch, burn, or sink her, or take her prize? Uh, sink, burn, or take her a prize, yeah. Sink, burn, or take her a prize. Which is, I'm going to um, now start saying that to everybody if I give them a mission of any kind. <laughs> Could you go around an ever for me and, uh, you know, sink, burn, or take her a prize? And it's the greatest thing, this running theme of, yes, Stephen, I appreciate you. I respect your thoughts and opinions, but we are in the Navy. Everything is subject to the requirements of the service, which sets up the perfect ending to this film. Uh. Of It's like a punchline. I don't, I don't want to spoil it in case you've forgotten it or you haven't seen it, but this movie ends on, on literally on a perfect note. It's right. just very literally. It's fantastic. You 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 realize, oh, we've we've just visited these guys for a couple weeks. Right. They have so many other they've had so many other adventures before, and they're right. they're going to continue to have adventures after. Right. We have just been with them for this one. For just the one. Yeah. And that's my favorite that's like my favorite kind of movie. It's, it's just great. a little glimpse into the life of larger than life people doing uh you know extraordinary things. Right. Um, and it's great, and it's a shame this movie was nominated for Best Picture. The Peter Weir was yeah. nominated for Best Director. Yep. It but it won for cinematography, which is fitting because it's beautiful. It looks gorgeous. Yeah. It does look better than Return of the King. Well, yeah, Return of the King wasn't nominated, so. Oh, that makes sense. But Andrew Nothing Leslie Andrew King looked bad. No, but... it didn't. But, well, Andrew Leslie won for Fellowship of the Ring, not for any of the other two, so. That makes, makes sense. sense. That's the most beautiful of the three, for sure. But yeah, Russell Boyd won for as a cinematographer for this. He won for best uh, cinematography. Deservedly so. I think it might have uh, been the only one it won. I think. I don't know. Yeah, this was shut out, and this did not make enough money to make any sequels. And of course, there's source material for those sequels. I don't want them to make a sequel, honestly. No, no, it's perfect. There's absolutely no need to return to this at all. I don't want to see younger actors play younger versions of Steven or Jack. Like Right. I don't need that. No, and they wouldn't make it the same way. I think the 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 part of the charm is that they bought a boat. Uh, mm-hmm. They bought a real boat uh, that they used throughout the film. Obviously, they then built several models to shoot stuff on. But and they had you know they shot it in Mexico, and they did actually go out on the ocean and they actually shot boats on the ocean and just made it. Just they just would not make a movie to that scale with that much real life stuff in it. You know. Yeah. For 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 what audience? You know, who, right. who, is, who is this for? Well, the thing is, this was made for adults because adults used to go to the movies That's right. to, watch, to watch things that weren't just about um, uh, super-powered uh, government <laughs> government agents fighting purple men right. uh, on right. in Georgia parking lots that later get turned into right. movies. Right. It used to be you could see any, you could see all kinds of movies. Uh, right. I mean, look at that year. You had Return of the King, um, uh, Mystic River. Yep. Master and Commander. What were the other uh, other? Sea Biscuit was in there. Sea Biscuit. Yeah, it's like Mystic River in a, a drama about right. based on like a drama thriller. Sea Biscuit. It's just a movie about a about a really swell horse. It's just a great, <laughs> just totally yeah yeah, just totally oh, cornball but fun. Great movie narrated yeah. by David McCullough. Just like this is a history film. Yes, like it's just yeah. it, it, that that movie would not get 
made today? No. Or, or, would, or would just go direct to a stream? Yeah, I mean, I could see a world where Master Commander became a series on HBO, maybe, but like, or something like that, but it wouldn't yes. have been good. Do I want to see a poorly lit HBO series of this world, though? No, I right. do not. No, this is this was a... This was lightning in a bottle that immediately took the form of a ship in a bottle. That's what it was. <laughs> That's what this movie is. Yeah. And, and it's the perfect it, director, Peter Weir. Yes. And actually, I, they're one of the classiest directors in Hollywood. I'm going to, I'll actually, I'll send you some. There's an audio bit that I recorded from the uh, behind the scenes that I think find some way to put it in. But it's Peter Weir talking about when he, uh, the producer, I think it was Tom Rothman or something like that, yes. uh, from Fox, Fox yeah. when he approached Peter Weir about doing it. I was offered Master and Commander by uh, Tom Rothman. Uh, it was great because he, he didn't pitch it to me. You know, when I went to for a meeting, I said, what, what did you want to talk about, Tom? He said, I'm not going to pitch you. I'm not going to pitch you a story. I'm going to give you a gift. And I thought, well, this, is, this is a good approach to a pitch session. Went out of the office. He came in. And to my genuine surprise, gave me a sword and I took it and I looked at him smiling and I said, O'Brien. And he said, yes, I want you to take command. Yeah, Peter Weir is just genius. The Truman Show, uh, oh. Fearless, The Mosquito Coast, Dead Poet Society. Gallipoli. Witness Gallipoli. Uh, his earlier movies, The Cars That Ate Paris, that's a great movie. The Last yeah. Wave is a really, really good movie. Uh, Picnic at Haining Rock is really good. Right. He's a great director. He hasn't made a movie in ages because um, the industry uh, stinks. Yeah, right. <laughs> there's no, there's no room for a Peter Weir anymore, no. which is a shame. Um, today, if P Peter Weir would have made a movie like he did, P Picnic on Hanging Rock, sort of a smaller, um, uh, to use Larry David's pronunciation, contemplative film, <laughs> and then he would have immediately been recruited into making a gigantic CGI. Right, goo fest. It right. would have sucked, and then he never would have made a movie again. <laughs> right, and they'd be like, "This guy blew it," and it's like, "Well, you gave him shit." <laughs> um, and yeah, this movie was kind of not forgotten, but it was just a movie that came out. Right, and we, the four of us certainly uh, watched it obsessively. Every well, yeah, I think day. it has. It's always had an obsessive fan group that you know, didn't well, yeah, but a, a not a wider audience. Not, yeah, a group that did not know of each other's existence until Twitter and the internet. Right. One of the few positive things about the internet can bring people together. And in the case of Master and Commander, you realize, oh, a lot of people like this movie. Right. Because it's really good. Um, it's great. And it has, it's had sort of a renaissance over the last few years of this... You had mentioned there's that GQ article of why are all these men obsessed with Master and Commander? Right. And yes, it's very much like a guy movie, but not in the way it's that Pride and Prejudice for for men. Yes, it is. Which it is also, by the way, Pride and Prejudice, the one with Keira Knightley, is a great double feature with this film. So absolutely, <laughs> a great Which movie in its own right. Patrick O'Brien would appreciate because his biggest, he said, his biggest influence was Jane Austen. Right. So that's the thing. You're, yes, you're reading these books about uh napoleonic uh, naval warfare but the guy is inspired most by jane austen so right. he he um has said that he he didn't want to be like the horatio hornblower novels and he didn't think he his books were similar to uh the sharp novels the bernard cornwell novels and yep. bernard cornwell has said like well, i think that's i think that's true like 
I'm writing adventure stories. He's writing character studies that are yeah. based on like meticulous research. And Patrick O'Brien also, he did like one interview in his entire life. He was intensely <laughs> private. Yeah. He didn't want anyone to know anything about him. He just wanted his books to speak for themselves. His right. name, I don't think is Patrick O'Brien. That's amazing. So super old school guy. I don't know if Patrick O'Brien heads love this movie, but I think, right. I think people that just like, I think film bros, film dudes like, uh, like ourselves. Right. I think a lot of them just thoroughly enjoy this movie. I've never showed this movie to someone for the first time. Um, it's always kind of been the four of us, the Marchand, the Marchand bros. It's our personal, it's yeah. one of our personal faves. I know other people who have seen it. I think Tony Brown, our friend Tony Brown, I believe saw he has. It because of all the times we talked about it, and I think he he really he really dug it. Um, and it's a movie I don't necessarily recommend just because it's not like it is a it's a two hour movie about, about yeah. <laughs> like about it is on a ship. I mean, it's 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 like almost like yeah. a joke of like a oh that's a movie just for dudes. Like you could just picture being like like it's such a, it sounds like a grandpa movie just just men yeah. on a, a naval drama you know like if you don't like historical fiction like you're not, you're not gonna, gonna like it, it. That's you're true. not gonna like this it's no. not it's like and that that's not a bad thing it's just like if it's if this isn't your taste like this is like the final boss of historical fiction yeah. like, this right. is like the ultimate historical fiction right. so but if you are interested in like. They were making movies like this only, you know, it's only been what, 20 years? It's been so November 14th. I looked up the, yeah. the release date. So it was 20 years this month, which is fitting. So that's not that long. Right. But it feels like it's from a completely different era. It like really does. It, it, it just feels like, I mean, even compare it to Return of the King. Yeah. Which is a great, is great. I don't, think, I don't think this is controversial. Return of the King is a fantastic movie. Exactly. Um, one of one of the best movies. Right. Uh, but you look at that movie. Right. And you look at Master and Commander, and it's hard to believe they were made in the same year. Right. Uh, right. It's two completely different ways of filmmaking. They're both good, but the Peter Jackson way is what took over the industry. Right. Of course, they won't let anyone take charge of the movies the way they let Peter Jackson, no. but in terms of making, it has to be a big event. It has right. to be like the movie has to be about the end of the world and yes. there has to be spectacle right. and there has to be CGI upon CGI. It has to blow people's minds. And Master and Commander is just, what are the stakes of this film? Like what the actor on, Oh, it'll make it easier for the French to, start messing around and so it's like well, what no there's there's no stakes it's also for all the talk of it it did fail the bechtel test and all the stuff but it's actually a very positive masculinity kind of movie like they're all oh yeah they all completely respect each other like there's no like avoiding of feelings there's there's a whole character that's about how how hard it is to live on the ship which is uh mr hollum and they you know like yes. and like there it's a there's a total class system in the ship but mm -hmm. it doesn't seem to be have a profound effect on the men like they all they all it's this little world this uh this little wooden world i think he refers to it as when he's talking about having to keep order but it's like it's it's just a it's like this is how a man should behave you know yeah it's not it's we're saying it's a guy movie and it absolutely is absolutely it's not, it's not like i don't know if it's not a bro if, movie 
I don't know if the the certain that certain type of guy that lives online. I don't know what their thoughts are on this movie, but there's not there's nothing here for them. No, like they, they all think they're Jack Aubrey, but guess what? We're all Hollem. I'm sorry. That's right. Not, we're all Hollem. <laughs> no, exactly. A, ja- a Jack is a rarity. That's the whole point. That's what makes him so great. Yes, the, 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 most of the people watching this movie are not in this movie, and I no. think for those kind of guys, like the history like bros who just assume if I was reincarnated, I'd be Napoleon. It's like, no, you'd be a Chinese peasant and you'd die. Yeah. Like, that's what yeah. The burgeoning, the burgeoning fascists who learn the wrong his lessons from history. Yeah. Like, I don't think this movie's really doesn't really have much for them. It's, it's not about a clash of civilization. It's just aesthetics. Nope. It's just the English are cooler than the French. That's really what it comes down to. The French are annoying. Right. Yeah, yeah. Fuck the French. Exactly. No, it's also it's like two well matched men, captains, leaders going after each other. It's just a small, really small scale, although epic in the way it's filmed. Small scale uh, adventure story. Yeah, let's talk about the battle sequence because it's maybe the best, one of the best battle sequences in a movie. The opening one or the final one? Because both are okay. Yeah, so both are good. The first one's like an ambush, though. The first one's like like an ambush. And what's great about there's also another thing I think is great about the movie, which is like it's like a lesson in leadership, also. Yes. So like you know that battle happens, and like the first thing Jack is doing is checking in on all of his men from all of his places. You know, and it uh, I don't think it ends, but it's one of the last guys he sees is. Mr. Lamb, who's like the carpenter, who's he's, uh, yes, he's Scotty. Yeah, basically, yeah, and he's 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 down in the engine room and he's fixing he's fixing the ship, you know. Uh, but that that's just a great moment. I always think of, especially like, yeah, it's just that's like that's how to lead people. All these guys are dying for really no reason, but right. ultimately they're dying because they don't. They're fighting because they don't want to die, and they're right. willing to die for Lucky Jack. And the movie is about showing why that's the case right it's because he's just a good leader it's like yeah it's like how every once in a while in history there's like a king come there's a king who's actually like a it's like oh okay yeah if every king was like this then yeah monarchy would probably be like worth exploring but right yeah you know crapshoot it's a complete it's a it's a complete crapshoot for every for every Gustavus Adolphus, you get uh, Carlos the Bewitched, who died right. with a head full of water and one testicle. Like <laughs> this is a Swedish king. Gustavus Adolphus was the Swedish king who died in the Thirty Years' War, and then Carlos the Bewitched was the Habsburg king of Spain. He he's, oh, well, Habsburg. He's, so there you go. He was the most inbred, feeble-minded. Just right. just uh, right. Just, just he's Paul Rubens from the third rock episode. Right. Just like you can't have grape juice or he'll die. Right. Um, right. <laughs> Amazing. But, uh, but yeah, you're right. The final battle is the greatest naval battle put to film. It's just that the the, the score. The score right. is just um it's like bells or something. Like it's just like a a constant oh, great shaking that just starts and it just builds occasionally and then it peters out when when the when the battle's over and the battle's really short but the build-up is perfect they have to pretend to be a whaling ship because jack gets the idea from a a bug that steven found on the galapagos which is a great touch yeah that's that's when nature is useful for him yes that it it gives him an insight into war and you can see steven's heart break right (laughs) you can see him be so sad that a rare phasmid he had he found a rare phasmid yes and it's being its immediate use in the world is that Jack is going to use it to sink this French ship. 
Right. And you can see him just be like, ah, but he great loves plan, his it's a great plan. And all the little moments of they keep insulting whalers, but then apologizing to the right. whalers that they, yeah. that they rescued. Um, it's Captain Kennedy from The Last Jedi. Yep. One of the best First Order officers. He's Mr. Hogg, the whaler. Yep. Um, yeah, it's great. It's like this like close quarters, savage, just like sword fighting and pistol shots. And it's complete chaos. Right. Like there's no rhyme or reason as to who's going to die and who's going to live. It's just total characters that are like good. Um, not Nagel. Nagel's friend. Worley? No. Worley's the one, no, Worley's the one that dies overboard. Yes. Nagel's the one that yes. is, survives. Yeah. And Nagel's very popular. He says that early in the movie. Nagel's very popular. Right. Um, Nagel's like a nice guy. He's yeah. like a good, you know, he's a jerk to Holland, but they all are. He lost his friend. And uh, he throws a pistol to his buddy. And then immediately gets shot by a little French kid hiding yep. under a rowboat. And it's like, there's no, it's just that it's not fair. Like it's not, it's just, no, and that's, but it also, yeah, it is chaos, but it's also really clearly uh, choreographed. Like in there, they're smart yeah. because Peter Weir is, is brilliant because he puts a character like Nagel, like if he, when he wants to show us another aspect of the battle, he has a face character experiencing it. So yes. it's like, so you would, so you can, you can totally, you're like, okay, so they're on this part of the deck. They're oh, they're going to the lower decks now, uh, and you can follow the battle because because you have characters you care about. And you're following into the battle. You get the whole scope of the battle because we now know so many characters at so many different levels on in the chain of command. And there's that great moment, Captain Howard, who's in charge of the the Marines. Marines, yep. Which is a great little touch that you know every they have the Royal Marines, whose job is to just kind of wear red coats and. And have run the ship and yeah, and do and do cool marine shit. They're the boat Maggie, infantry. They're the boat infantry. Maggie Smith's son, by the way, that's that guy, Chris Larkin. He that plays makes Captain the Howard. most sense. He's Maggie. He has he has her smile. Like yeah, that makes that makes the most sense. He he's, smiles he's and looks like Maggie Smith. Right. He shoots Stephen by accident, almost kills him. Is relieved right. when Stephen doesn't die. And yeah, because it's, no, it's not malicious. It's not trying to murder him. The bird dropped low. I didn't see you there. I'm sorry, right. Doctor. Yeah. <laughs> he sees Stephen fighting off the French during the battle, and he smiles because he's so proud right. of like, ah, what a what a cool guy that guy is. Well, like, yeah. Stephen gets on the ship, and immediately you're like, oh, he's a skilled swordsman. This is amazing. Yeah. Well, again, in the books, he took part in the 1798, like the failed Irish uprising. So oh, okay. he has combat experience, but not gotcha. a lot of people on the ship know that, right? Because obviously, he really technically. You should, should not be in the Royal Navy. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and uh, there's uh, when Blakeney and um, Mr. Callamy say goodbye to each other, because of the music, you know one of them is going to die. Exactly. And then there's that reveal. They've won the battle. They've triumphed. And Jack has this big grin on his face as he walks through the crowd of men, you know, clapping them on the back. And look, we, we did it, lads. Right. The crowd parts and. Mr. Callamy's been like shot to pieces. Yeah. It's heartbreaking. And he earlier in the film has that great moment when they have the the first deception, when they make the small mast in light in that brilliant sequence where they're trying to they're gonna have the Acheron follow that instead. And he's the one that takes him out there. And then mm -hmm. like, you know, it's such a it's such a guy's movie. They're pulling him up aboard and Barrett Bondin with uh, Billy Boyd, who he lucked out that year. Seriously. Yeah, he lucked out. Um He's like, oh, we caught a fish. It's just like, there's just, there's also just silly jokes that, like, of course, a ship full of men would tell each other. Yeah, exactly. 
Exactly. Yeah, Billy Boyd. I don't know what else he's ever been in, but he doesn't, was. In he doesn't more. need to be in anything else. That's the thing. He's Pippin, and he was in Master and Commander, like right. as the coxswain. Yes. Yeah. He, he, Which he is a spots, great title. He spots the Acheron without uh, without a spyglass. Which uh, I I love that you mentioned the spyglass because it's a, a bit of comedy, but also not comedy of how every every ranking man on the ship has his own spyglass, and there's times when it's like. Some guy comes into the boat and he pulls his out, and then a guy comes out right behind him and then pulls out his, and it's just a little bit comical. Like there's, there's a touch of, it's a costume drama, so like the hats are ridiculous. They got yes. the spy glasses, but it sort of it embraces all of that, you know, the brass yes. and the rope and the wood and the the canvas and all the feelings and all the you the can traffic. smell you can, you can smell the film, you can smell the salty air, and you can feel it in your the wind in your hair. It just yeah, it's rousing and, it, and adventurous. It, if you're not into those like trappings, like this, you're not going to like the movie. It's like different no. people look for different things in film. And for people who are so wired as we are, right. this is like a part, this is like, Oh, this is like porn. This is crack. That's great. Yeah. Um, and the guy that plays Mr. Moet, who's the, uh, he's just underneath Mr. Pullings. Yes. He gets promoted at the end of the movie. Cause Mr. Pullings gets promoted. Yep. That guy hasn't been in anything else. Right, he's he's just in Master and Commander, and I will remember his well, face because Chris O'Dowd, Chris O'Dowd took his face, and then yeah. and then took his it's, career. Yeah, you're gonna people, you're gonna watch this movie, you're gonna be like, is that Chris O'Dowd? Like, no, but he looks just like him. Right. Um, I'll remember that guy's name and face forever because right. he's Mr. Moet and Mr. Moet in Master and Commander. Like, right. I'll always I'll always know who he is. And of course, Mr. Allen, Robert Pugh. Let's talk about right, the great Robert Pugh. He plays the master, the sailing master, which is yes. another flaw of the movie. There really shouldn't be a master and a captain. Like that's not like a thing. Um, I think the answer to that though is no one cares. Um, yeah. But yeah, Mr. Mr. Allen, Allen, he's a great character. He's in charge of like the wood, the boat, the boat, <laughs> like the logistics of the whole boat. Yeah, he, he like speaks for the boat. <laughs> he speaks for the boat. He has a great recurring line of how they uh, can't take the Akron because she's out of a class. You know, she's out of a class. She's a 55 gun frigate. He has nothing but good lines, pretty much. Well, they, that guy, he's that for those seamanship. Know, when he talks Robert, about them coming oh. up behind, because they had the trick earlier where Mr. Callum takes the, the fake mast out, they're able to then come back around and become go around the Akron and become, and then that, they're chasing the Akron. Yes. And you're just like, that's seamanship. And it's just he, like, he has to explain like, to the younger officers how cool. It was what they what just, just happened. Did. Yeah, right. like how awesome Lucky Jack is. That's right. It's like you don't guys, you don't understand. He's right. so cool. Yeah, this is yeah. He is, and he's like he's the old world of men. That's just like yeah. This guy's this guy is the man, and, and he goes as well. He goes as well. Unfortunately, he, gets, he he they get they they board the Acheron. They think that they've you know they fired their cannons. They took yeah. out the main the main mast, and he Mr. Allen famously says. Looks like the job's done, sir. Yeah. And then he gets shot right in the head. Let's drop that Mr. Plinkett clip. Guess you spoke too soon, idiot. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Mr. Allen's a nice guy. Right. He's a good guy. He's great. But he he wasn't he he had his guard down. He got shot right. right in the head. He wasn't paying attention. That's right. And yeah, and it's Robert Pugh who uh he's probably I think most people probably know him. He's Craster on Game of yeah. Thrones. Right. One of one of the show's one of, the most vile men. <laughs> one of the show's greatest douchebags. Yeah, that's right. Um, right. I am a godly man. That, this movie's filled with those guys. The Davies, who's this big, lovable, like bear. Sure. Yeah, Polynesian of yeah, and he's he's in a bunch yeah. of stuff. 
I, he was on a show that my mother-in-law was watching. Um, what was it called? It was like, it's like notoriously, it's a notoriously bad show. I think it's called like nothing else is on Boomer. Okay. Um, and right. he shows up and I got so excited. Right. I was like, who's that character? What's his role in the show? Is he a major right. character? Right. And Anita was just like, yeah, I guess so. I'm like, well, that's, 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 that's Davies from Mastering. Yeah. That's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. And she's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. I don't care. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I mean, we were primed to like this movie because, you know, of all of our interests, but also, I mean, Nanny's house has got paintings of ships everywhere. And she, and she, they fed us a steady diet of Horatio Hornblower as well. Yep, which is a great series. Very I don't remember it. I just remember liking it. Uh, yeah. Starring you know, Ewan Griffith. Right. Welsh bastard. Welsh bastard. But yeah, just it's yeah. We were totally primed to love this movie. Yeah. And I also I, I was thinking too of that. We had that excellent book that had stuff about pirates and that and sailing during that time. Mm -hmm. It was like when we had like Civil War books, but we also had a book on on pirates. We had several. Uh, do you remember it at all? It was like uh, these great drawings of different pirates and great, uh, oh yeah, about privateers and all that stuff. And I thought it was so fascinating. Calico Jack Rackham, all the famous, right. all of the famous yeah, Blackbeard, pirates. I think, was in there. Blackbeard and Anne Bonny, um, right? All the famous pirates of the age. Yeah, that was probably our first before Batman, before Star Wars. My first thing was pirates. Pirates, like, yeah. Swords and ships. That was pirates, like, knights. These are the first things. Yeah. The Playmobiles. Yeah, Playmobiles. Exactly. Yeah, Not Playmobiles. Exactly. Uh, the other guys. What were the other ones? The Fisher-Price ones. Oh, yeah. There was the Fisher-Price. Um, I don't know what you call those toys. The, but... No, they're, they're, Fisher, they're Fisher-Price little action figures. Right, right. They're like very stubby. You can't see their eyes. Right. Um, they have the big bulbous noses. And yeah, there was a Fisher-Price castle and with the Black Knights and the Gold Knights. And then there was right. a Fisher-Price pirate ship. Right, and the captain was a big fat guy with a red, um, a red coat and a and a blue hat and a pig leg like, and a, you know, those were the coolest toys ever. Huh. And then then there was like ghost pirates, like I mean, Pirates of the Caribbean came out this year as well. The first yes, the Black Pearl, which it's it is a good I, movie. I love those movie. movies, of course, and I mean all three. That's right, of movies. I love all three of them. Three, the there are three. only three. They're only three. And there's a great spyglass joke in At World's End. I don't remember. Barbosa takes out his spyglass. Oh, and then right. Jack yes. comes into shot with an with an absurdly long spyglass. Right. Because they're just measuring their dicks. Right. Um, yes, I know there are people who say, like, ooh, in an alternate universe, we got a bunch of Master and Commander sequels instead of a bunch of Pirates of the Caribbean. It was sequels. never gonna happen. That was not no, the, the way of the future was Pirates of the Caribbean sequels. Right. Which of course, I mean, that was that was a much more streamlined Disney movie about yeah. you know there was Ghost Pirates. It was a more, I mean, it itself was a was a gamble, but um, but this movie blows it out of the water. No pun intended. Yes, it and it doesn't have to be a competition, but yeah, like if 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 you know, pistol to my head, <laughs> right? If you had to ask me which one do you want to watch for the rest of your life, it's Master and Commander, Master Commander without a doubt, because there's just so much to take in. Like we haven't even scratched the surface, you know. No, like well, we haven't even like details. It's just you just have to watch it, and you, every time I watch it, I notice something, or I have a new appreciation for something I already noticed. Right. Uh, it's just um, it's a wonderful 
wonderful movie. And it's, I don't recommend it to people just because it's kind of niche. But when I find out that a person is into this stuff, I do am always curious to know, like, right. have you seen Master and Commander? Right. Because if you haven't, you should. It's really, really good. It's great. Yeah, I mean, there's so many great little moments. The one I, I caught on this time, or I've always noticed, but I especially noticed this time, this when I watched it yesterday, was uh, there's one guy with a peg leg. And that's when they're trying to disguise the ship. Yeah, it's when they're trying to disguise the ship. And so they want to have a lot more smoke. So they're just putting in a lot of stuff to make a lot more smoke to make it look like a whaling ship. And he's got a peg leg and he's loading stuff into the fire. And at one point he spins around and he uses his peg leg to tamp down the stuff into the fire. And I'm just like, that's a great little moment. And did you also notice that during the battle, he either loses that leg again or loses the other leg and is cackling with with insane laughter? That's right. He did. Yes, that's right. He cannot believe – like he thinks it's funny. Right. Actually, I'm laughing. Like he just – he lost his other leg. Right. And Steven is tending to him but then just realizes he has to abandon it. And I also like the detail that Blakeney has been put in charge of like all the losers on the ship. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Like the guys that can't really fight and are, you know, missing a leg and – um. But that's a great that's a great touch too because they get on board the ship and they they do a great job and Blakeney there's that great moment that he realizes that Lord Nelson has one arm too right Lord Nelson of course is that's the other thing if you don't know anything you just get like okay he's a hero he's right. he's obviously the, the the biggest hero in the Royal Navy right but then if you know like the history it's kind of cool because you know in a couple months he's going to die at right the battle, right exactly so it's like this little note of like ooh like they're on the edge of history like right they're, they're in south america but this big huge naval battle is gonna kind of occur and, and nelson famously uh famously dies there and um that would also make it that would also make a great movie it's just so great and there's so many just yeah there's so many great moments so many great details there's so many little bits of humor like i was i i saw I noticed last night also uh the moment where they're on the island when they they've gone to the galapagos so that again they can do the surgery or Steven can do the surgery himself because he is a freak. And all the young men are playing cricket, but old Joe and his other pal, who's another old sailor, have immediately set to work on making some kind of cactus drink. They're just boiling cactuses, and they're tr- and that they somehow have the knowledge to be like, we can make booze anywhere. Like they just, yes. it's just amazing. It's 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 fantastic. It's um, it's a great movie. It's a gift that keeps on giving. If you have never seen it, if you listen to this podcast, see Master and Commander. The odds are you will enjoy, you will enjoy right. it if you haven't seen it. If you have seen it and it's been a while, watch it again. It's a great movie. Right. One of the best. Right. Do you not know that in the service, one must always choose the lesser of two weevils? <laughs> Thank you again, Ryan, for joining us um, as a guest to talk about this beloved film of our of our childhood and our adulthood. And it was a uh, pleasure to be on board. Oh, you <laughs> really are a cunt splice. So, um, I'm going to throw yeah. myself overboard for that one. Yeah, please do. So edit, edit in a large splash sound right there, please. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, check out the movie. Thank you for listening. And um, I don't remember how Kevin ends these. So uh, goodbye. <laughs> Safe and sound at home again, let the waters roar, Jack. Safe and sound at home again, let the waters roar, Jack. Long wing tossed on the rolling main, now we're safe ashore, Jack.
Don't forget your old shipmates. I don't want to sell your death sticks. You want to go home and rethink your life. I want to go home and 